Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. You know it, it's Tuesday and the Tuesday segment with the one and only Andrew Dembina. Andrew, it's great to speak to you. How are you doing today? Pretty good, thanks. Um, it's a hot one, though, isn't it? It's going on a bit, this heat. It's it's so hot. And i got to say, somebody's playing a prank on us in the studio, and, and the aircon is not really working. So oh, that, all this equipment... Yeah, and I'm... Exactly. Usually it's a, it's a pretty cool studio, mm. uh, but it's pretty warm in here. Is that someone from one of the other radio stations thinking... <laughs> Going to kind of getting Phil Whelan to strip. Yeah, well, you know, maybe turn up the heat and. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I know. Sorry for the listeners for having to, if you know Phil Whelan, of having that in your mind's eye. (laughs) (laughs) Or Steve James. You know, Steve James will be on afterwards. Who knows? Who knows? You name name them. If they're going to be hot, they might be just taking off a garment. Exactly. Right. So, what have you got for our listeners this afternoon? Yes, it's uh, it's a mixed bag around the globe as usual, starting off in the USA where the Michelin Guide USA has added 25 new restaurants to its New York City section. Oh, and wow. it's announced them, yeah, it's announced them a few months way ahead of when the guide is published in the uh, last quarter of the year. So this is very interesting because uh, it's uh, it's something that hasn't happened before that uh, not full. It's kind of teasers. There's a couple of sentences on 25 restaurants, and the restaurant-minded folk in the U.S. will be interested, particularly if they live in New York or if they're travelling there, you know, going there for some reason, to try some of these. Um, and it's, it was already noted that after these, uh, the list was given of these 25 last Wednesday, that some of these restaurants are already fully booked. That just tells you the power of something which used to be in a book form, Michelin Guide, and that is what's coming out in the last few months of this year. But the digital imprint of it, like with every publication, is very important now. So they play around with things in a different way because people are, you know, probably scrolling through foodie stuff on their way to work on their phones or whatever. And the, so, yeah, and the, there's something that's easier when it's on the web as well, or like uh, the, the e-version. It can get updated and, and it's just yeah. more portable. Yeah, that's right. In fact, Let's take an example with books. If somebody's name was spelt wrong, if one of the writers of a book actually by Michelin <laughs> was spelt wrongly in the masthead, that's the bit at the front of the magazine, it just stays there forever. But if it was online, that could be changed in an instant. <laughs> Are you speaking <laughs> yeah. from experience, Andrew? I oh, seem to recall. Think, yeah. yeah, yeah, deja vu. It, it, does, it, does, it does start for me. That, so that, for our like... listeners, I've just got to say this about you, Andrew. So <laughs> Andrew Dembina is super, super uh, well-connected in the food and the F&B industry. You know, you've been a, you've been a food reporter for, for so long now. Uh, you're so renowned. Mm-hmm. So thank you for, for taking the time to doing uh, the, the one, two, three show. I was so oh, surprised no. when um, your name was spelt wrong. <laughs> It was yeah. It was a Michelin yeah. guidebook that you helped to write, mm. but then in the end, yeah. the name was spelt. Your name was spelt wrong. It's just exactly. <laughs> it, was, it, it was called the Weekend Guide to uh, Hong Kong and Macau, and um, oh. yeah, there was a hef- there was a hefty old restaurant all about what to do and where to eat. But um, yeah, it, it was it was spelled as Dembinsky. And uh, as soon as I received my advanced copies of that, uh, I brought them in. At that time, I was working uh, full-time at Radio 3, and 
Noreen and others um, showed me no mercy. <laughs> I <laughs> with, think, their, with their laughter. I think you're in my phone under the name Andrew Dembinski. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuck. Right, right. Well, moving on with the story. We digressed there for a moment. Sometimes happens. Um, uh, yeah, the, uh, but the, the, the Michelin Guide um, online um, has then released a few different... Uh, restaurants that they consider to be very hot to be newly included like in autumn this year and so i thought i'd just have a look at a few of them um and i sent you noreen a couple of photos of two out of the 25 i had the whole list but i'm just going to mention a few and they're both chinese ones that uh, that i sent noreen photos of um listeners and uh um, did those? Did, did you manage to put those up on online yes. today? Or? Yes, they yeah. are on the Facebook page, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio Three. You'll be able to check out the photos that Andrew has sent over. Right, right. Well, so there's yeah. The, of the twenty-five, I thought this one sounds amazing to me, and this is one that I don't that I didn't send Noreen a photo of. It's called Bar Tulix, uh, T-U-L-I-X, and it is inspired by food from a Californian region that's heavily influenced by Mexican cuisine because it's close to the border of Mexico. Uh, it's a region called Baja. I don't know if you've heard of that or no. or ever. I, I, I'll be honest, I hadn't. And no, I, and I do. Right. Well, it's a very, it's on a long kind of promontory or, um, yeah, a peninsula that runs off uh, of California, south of LA. And it is it's combining then Mexican-inspired food with um, a very casual American food. And it's got a, he- a heavily seafood-leaning menu, and it is the destination restaurant of that area. I looked up this area when I was preparing notes this morning, and it's basically a lot of arid mountains, desert, and some of the most beautiful beaches and sea that I've seen. Um, and it looks like it's like suddenly it's a place I want to go to. Not not necessarily for this restaurant, but maybe if I was there, it'd be rude not to go. But it's um, but but also just for the landscape of the place, just just almost desert-like, uh, arid landscape. Then with very few plants growing apart from cacti, and then you have got these wonderful beaches and a great restaurant by the sound of it as well. That's called Bar Tulix, and um, it's a teaser. So they only give you a few sentences. They're not giving you specific dishes. They're trying to make people probably buy the book, which is a good idea. People still do buy um, guide books in their actual form or digital e-book version. Um, and the two that are Chinese, one of them touts itself as being very Cantonese influenced. It's called Bonnie's, and its look inside the restaurant, it claims, is retro Hong Kong diner. Now, Noreen, I thought about sending you an interior shot. I had a look when they said that. I had a look at it, and it's so different from Hong Kong um, diners, if they mean Chantang's. It's got brickwork. It's very trendy. It's in Brooklyn. It's like a sort of a cool hipster take on a on a char chantang, I think. Oh, um, so it's not authentic, but, really? No. Oh. No, 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 not not at all. And and also, even though this little teaser bit of info talks about that uh, the chef, whose name is Calvin Eng, whose family does originally come from Hong Kong and southern China, um, the Cantonese. Hong Kong and regional um, uh, uh, Guangdong province cuisine does have what looks like a lot of Americanisms attached. Now, one of the pictures that I've sent you, Noreen, has got what doesn't look very Cantonese at all. Um, 
it's the uh, looks like a baked fish with um, with with a crust. Um, it, it's got some kind of um, marinade or a herb rub or something on it on the skin there. Can you you know that? what it looks. Like yeah, you know what it looks yeah. like. It looks like the roast pork that the. the, the um, not tasu. What's the other one? Seal yop oh, with a yeah. fish head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does actually, but it's uh, but it's it's actually the the sliced fish, and it's done in a very. It's almost like it's been deep fried quickly with a with a rub on it or something that's kind of crisped up on the skin. Probably pretty tasty, but it looks more like a very American dish, as do the others on the on the table. There, there's also um, some mussels which are. Which look like they're in a very strong sauce. Clams. Um, um, I, was, I thought it was clams at first, but I've just, I've just oh, enlarged really? it, oh. and it looks like they're mussels. But oh, yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Yeah, but, yeah, they are but, mussels. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, but the sauce is um, opaque and very thick. It just doesn't, doesn't look like anything you'd get in a Cantonese restaurant that I've experienced. So, so I guess you know, you spent time in the UK. We know what Cantonese restaurants serve in the UK, or traditionally. There might be, there, I think in the last one to two decades, there are a lot more realistic interpretations of what happens in this part of the world. But when I grew up, they were everything was deep fried. Um, and, I was uh, going to say, not going to lie to you, I do miss the good old sweet and sour prawn balls, which, okay, which yeah, we've yeah. never had them in Hong Kong. Um, no. But they are just so yummy. I love the batter. It's sort of like a cross mm. between... It's like Chinese fish and chips, really. Yes, it's got the light. It's like a good light fish and chip batter, isn't it? Yeah. Much more crispy than. Uh, yeah, I, if I remember rightly, though, the uh, the, the canteen uh, in Broadcasting House uh, did a did a sweet and sour pork, which was uh, which was not too bad years ago. Oh yeah, um, it's gone a bit downhill. Sorry to oh, say. Oh dear, yeah. I can hear it in your voice. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll move on to the next restaurant, which is called. Uh, it's called Chir Lee, and it's a husband and wife team, and they both are cooks in this restaurant. Um, the wife, whose name is whose nickname is Fang Fang, is a pastry chef, and the husband, uh, Chef Chiling Wang, is doing the savoury dishes. I have sent along a, uh, a photo of one of their dishes, which looks really great. But again, it doesn't look traditionally um, Shanghainese. It's um, it's the one that is on a wooden tray for you, Noreen, with uh, with a teapot that the sauce is actually served in. Um, and what it is is uh, it's pua tea soaked rice. So there's a kind of a um, there's a broth that's been made with pua tea around an up upturned rice bowl, which uh, which is kind of made more interesting with flying fish roe and uh, seaweed. And there is a sea urchin with more fish roe on top of it. It looks pretty tasty to me, but not very, but not very Shanghainese. And so this is the, the, these are dishes. These are signature dishes from uh, from two of the new 25 restaurants that are going to be added. There are plenty of others that were not Chinese at all, like the first one I mentioned. And uh, you can you can see these if you go to guide.michelin. That's M-I-C-H-E-L-I-N dot com slash us um slash us because it's um you know it's kind of giving you a preview of these 25 very short taster reviews for the edition that's coming out for the country at the end of the year mm. um yeah moving on to something else the truth and strategy of 
food expiration date. That's the name of an article that I came across in the last few days from um, CNN Business. And it's really reflecting on America again about what happens over there in terms, in, in terms of the sell-by or best-before type of dates. They have, they have one over there, which we don't have here and I, that I hadn't seen in other places, which is, which is labelled enjoy-by. So I think that's an American version of best before. So um, I CNN didn't know report. that. Yeah, yeah, nor did I, actually. That's the, that's the way they like to phrase it. Hmm. Um, but the, the, the CNN report says that you might think that the date is the absolute last day that food is safe to eat, but you'd be wrong. Um, you wouldn't be alone in coming to that conclusion, though, because the system behind food labels uh, and, the, and the dates of them is an absolute mess. Quite a contentious little starter to an article, I thought. Um, <laughs> Do you and, live uh, by sell by dates or use by dates? I, I must admit, I, I I don't really. I think if the bread is no. still good, I'll, you yeah. know, if it's a couple of days after or a week after, I've I've tried. Um, well, it's that, fine. <laughs> that is good, and that's what the experts are saying that oh, that good. you should be testing your stuff um, in the UK, for example, um, during this year. The um, Morrison supermarket actually took off from its dairy products, milk and other products, it took off the best before date and it encouraged consumers, customers to do what it called a sniff test of the milk, which was to see whether it was sour or not. Let's face it, but, you know, who doesn't do that sometimes anyway? You know, even whatever, you, you know, I think anyone who keeps milk or other let's say, drinks in, um, in, the, in, the, in the fridge or, or other food products, um, is going to take a, take a look at it, as you said, with bread, or even have a sniff and so, to see something, one of your, use one of your senses to see whether it is still in good nick or needs to, um, or needs to go, you know, as a health hazard. So, um, but according to, in this article to Dana Gunders, who's the executive director of a non-profit association in America called ReFed, um, the whole process of guidelines uh, and state laws for labelling a food is a complete Wild West, she calls it. That's, uh, you know, the Wild West when cowboys were around and they were their own law sort of thing. And uh, many consumers believe that they're being told to throw out the food um, by the time dates uh, that appear on their packaging is up. And um, so... This is someone from a non-profit who's trying to end food waste, remember. So they are very much advocating against this and for food makers to do what Morrison's in the UK has done to be to allow the consumers to take more responsibility about it. And this can happen because there, there is not very tough legislation in America, as this article goes on to explain. Um, and even I, after reading this article, I also thought, well, I wonder what's the actual situation in Hong Kong. And so I looked it up. Um, I went to the government centre of food safety uh, website where they do tell you about um, the required information for best before or used by dates. And these are dates that are suggested, pretty much the same as we heard about in the US, that if a food is stored properly, then the best before date um, can be, uh, you know, it can be kept until then to keep its sort of good properties and healthy condition that you'd expect it to be by the date that's stamped on it. Um, but it, but the Hong Kong department does go on to say that used-by dates, on the contrary, 
are used in the case of more highly perishable foods, that's meat, dairy, and consumption of these items are not recommended um, after the use-by date as they mm. could constitute an immediate danger to human health. So those are the guidelines about the meanings of them here. And, uh, and I, would, uh, I would assume that that is the guidelines of them there. But what they're saying, the gist of this whole CNN business article is that the consumer doesn't really differentiate between what is stamped on there and that a lot of stuff is going in the bin that doesn't need to. I know, for example, that, um, you know, when, I mean, when I, when food dating came in in the 1970s, this article mentions that, which is quite interesting. So it's been going on for, you know, half a century or more. And, it, and, I, and I, I remember growing up with it and it was there and, um, and my parents and certainly my grandparents didn't ever think about it. They would just do, you know, milk was a, was a normal one because we had cereals or at that time kids were drinking a glass of milk when they came in from school. Um, that was kind of a habit. And, um, you know, the, uh, my, I remember my mum just sniffing the, uh, the glass bottles that were then delivered. And, uh, and, and it was, that, that was basically it. So oh, I absolutely. Don't... And we get, you know, we get mm. fresh milk from the supermarket and mm. it's, say, sometimes a week before its sell-by date. Um, yeah. And sometimes it just smells a bit off. So, you, you know, common sense just tells you, you know, you just don't use that milk. So Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sniff test so, yeah. is the best. Yeah, definitely. Okay, moving on to something else that's quite brief. Um, the G20 finance chiefs, um, have, have, have been promising to do something about food security in the wake of something that I mentioned a lot to Sadia while you were away, Noreen, about the Ukraine war that's prevented um, grain from being passed around um, to various parts of the world. And suffering most uh, has been parts of the Middle East and Asia where flatbreads or noodles are used as a staple rather than, uh, rather than rice. Um, so it, it was brought up on Saturday, uh, so the recent Saturday, July the 16th, um, when the 20 major economies that, yeah, that make up that group um, pledged to address the global food insecurity, as it was called. And they came to a strong consensus on the need to address it and to look at the channels and logistics that have been blocked or slowed down uh, since the Russia-Ukraine war. So unfortunately, though, conclusions slash action uh, on food distribution and where it's and where it's been needed and how it's going to be uh, put into practice has not yet been announced but fingers crossed that's a good step to the, mm. the, that it just came up in that anyway that's an extremely brief one i'm keeping it brief because i want to quickly mention one last thing in hong kong complaints over hong kong food delivery service services um has increased you may have heard this in the news yesterday because it was on RTHK, it was also in other local media, that there have been complaints about the price of deliver home delivery items that sometimes are more than they're advertised for online. Uh, or that when people do self-pickup that's ordered online, they've actually been paying more than if you'd have eaten in the restaurant. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of strange, isn't it? It that, is. That, that would happen. Considering yeah, that you're not even sense. using their facilities or, yeah. you know, you're freeing up their facilities. It's usually the other way around. Used to be. It used to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conventionally, yes. But there, there have been 520 complaints in the first six months of this year uh, on this to the Consumer Council. And so um, one restaurant was taken to task by the Consumer Council 
Um, and so was some kind of uh, monthly food membership scheme where they had taken more of a person's um, uh, payments than they should have done. So I won't go into more detail on that, but if you, uh, if you Google uh, Consumer Council and uh, Home Delivery Food, you can find plenty of stories about that. But uh, just a bit, of a, a bit of a surprise that there's been a bit of kind of dodgy scamming going on in the F&B industry. Very, very strange indeed. Yeah, it used to be that it'd be cheaper. And also, another thing, while we're mm. on the F&B industry, um, I don't get it. Saturday, Friday, Saturday and Sundays, they make you have several sittings and they restrict you. Certain restaurants, um, you, you're only allowed about an hour and a half to eat. Yeah. And then they quickly yeah. clear the tables. That, that, that's been worsening during COVID since restaurants have opened. Um, those uh, those time frames have gone down from two and a half to one and a half hours across a lot of restaurants. I yeah. know. Oh, anyway, yeah. uh, maybe t- uh, a topic for another time. Andrew, as mm. always, it's always so nice to talk to you today. And I look forward to more chats with you next week. Thank you very much indeed. Sure. Bye Thanks, for sorry. now. Yes. Bye.